right, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 104 this morning. Psalm 104 today is a special day for us here in the life of the church. And as we welcome our new minister of music, Mike Heffley, and his wife, Davina. Davina, are you here at church today? There you are, uh, Davina. And um, Mike and Davina have been in this area, I think, raised here, uh, Boone-ish County, right? And been here for a long time. Raised uh, uh, two children, Jake and, and Michaela, and I think I see Michaela over there. And uh, so uh, we're certainly glad they're here, and I want to encourage you to introduce yourself to them several times, okay? They have a lot of names and faces to, to learn and to remember. I know, uh, you know, Mike works at Silver Dollar City uh, full-time in the entertainment uh, division, and Davina works at North Arkansas College, and so... Uh, Again, folks that have roots here, and we certainly wel- want to welcome them here to our church today. Uh, we're in a series on foundations of our faith in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. Now, I told you to turn to Psalm. I want to take just a little uh, diversion today. You know, we just finished the account of the creation week in Genesis chapter 1 and eased into Genesis 2. And, and I thought this was just a good place, given... Uh, Mike being here for his first Sunday, leading us in worship, and, and also as an interlude that connects Genesis chapter 1 and 2, I want us to think about worshiping the God of wonders. And really, I think it perfectly fits right here between Genesis 1, is, 1 and 2 as we think about the story of creation, and then we're going to jump into, here in the weeks to come, the detailed story of the creation of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. And I want all of this to be more than just information. I think that you should always ask yourself the question about anything that you're reading in the Bible or hearing, so what? Not that it doesn't matter, but what what is the application? What am I supposed to do with that information? And here's what I would say anytime we come to the Word. The goal is that we would worship, that we would know God more clearly, and that we would respond rightly to what has been revealed to us in his word. So we're going to begin in Psalm 104. And I'm going to pick up where Brandon left off in his earlier reading today in verses 24 through 26. So let's read that together. It says, Lord, how many are your works? In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. There is the sea great and broad in which are swarms without number. Animals, both small and great, the ships move along there in Leviathan, which you have formed to have fun in it. To me, as I read Psalm 104, the thing that stands out the most is the sense of wonder that the psalmist has. The sense of wonder that is impelled or propelled along by God's creation. We're thinking about worshiping the God of wonders, and really it begins, worship, I think, begins with a sense of wonder about who God is. A key to worship, engaging your sense of wonder and awe about the transcendence and the greatness and the majesty and the power of God. And I was thinking about what is the organ that produces wonder. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about wonder? I can tell you all haven't. I can tell you're not, think about this, to be inspired in awe of something. What causes that? What is the organ? What is the place maybe in the brain? It's very possible that it's the imagination combined with the intellect. You know, 
A key to worship is a sense of personal wonder. We can set aside time to worship, space. We can have nice, cushy chairs. And honestly, I'm not sure if that helps you worship or just take a good nap. Having cushy chairs. You can have two screens that match and both of them working and have the words up on the screen and never sing a word. You can have a group of people up here who are skilled in music and picking songs and prayerfully doing all of those things. You can come to worship and still not worship. And I think we don't worship first and foremost when we don't have a sense of the wonder and the goodness and the love and the majesty and the awe and the holiness and the greatness of God. There are three primary ways I would say that God reveals himself to us. Number one is what we call natural revelation. God reveals himself in the creation. All around us, the, the earth and the skies, all of his handiworks declare his greatness. So that is natural revelation. Then there is special revelation, the Bible. God reveals himself very clearly and distinctly through his word. Also, God reveals himself in the incarnation, that is through the son who came. That is the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the full and most complete manifestation of God that we will ever have. So those are ways that God reveals himself. But so what? What will you do with the revelation that you have? Here in Psalm 104, I think it primarily, this, this, this psalm, this song, this meditation on worship arises Primarily from natural revelation. That is, that he's in wonder of all of the creation, all that God has done. And he's just looking around and he's seeing and contemplating these great things. How countless are your works. Lord, in wisdom, you have made them all. And it points back to what Brandon read at the opening of the service. There are so many things that he's just meditating on. Consider the things above. God's cloaking himself and all of creation in light. The sky like a canopy over the earth. The winds and the flames that are the messengers of God. Have you ever thought about wind being the messenger of God? Flames of fire doing God's bidding. This week, I was up at North Ark and we were, I was helping them put on, or supposed to be helping them put on a greenhouse cover. It was about a 50 by 100 piece of 6 mil plastic. That's a big piece of plastic. And you know, it's really not that tough a job if everything's going right. If you get enough people, conditions are right. And so we, we got the plastic ready and we got students. And, and, and I wasn't really doing any of the heavy lifting. I was sitting back and saying, heave ho, pull, you over here, pull. And they started to pull this piece of plastic over this greenhouse. But there was something a little amiss. It had been really calm that morning. But as the morning went on, it just got a little more windy and a little more windy. And, you know, we, we made the decision. The plastic was laying there, and we looked at each other. Should we do this? Yeah, let, let's do it. Let's do it. I wasn't the one that said, let's do it at that point. They said, let's do it. And the plastic goes over, and all of a sudden, a gust of wind, and I'm talking about big wind, came and caught that huge piece of plastic. It really, we only had hold of by some ropes hooked to a tennis ball, and the plastic was wrapped around, and there was five of those, five students. And all of a sudden, I see that wind catch that plastic, and the tail of the plastic goes up about, oh, say 20 feet in the air. And here's what I'm thinking. We in trouble. <laughs> 
And I look over, and here's students, and I see the rope. They're letting go, and I said, don't let go. And they let go. And the wind just ripped the plastic, and not, not irreparably, you know, but, but we were able to repair it. It just grabbed hold of it. And I was thinking, and here's what I told someone. This is such an easy job when there's no wind. And when there's a little wind, it's amazing the power of that wind. One of the students said, I think my feet came off the ground. And I decided to let go. I mean, it was absolute power. The power of the wind, this invisible strength that is much like God. Maybe we take for granted. Maybe we don't see. But there is that power. He reflects on the waters. Not the waters down below, but he calls them the deep waters that cover the earth like a garment. I think he's talking about space and about the atmosphere and about the clouds. And he talks about the waters of the heavens standing at attention almost. The waters standing at attention. And I was reflecting on that. What's he talking about? I think he's talking about all of the water, that moisture in the atmosphere. So, have you ever thought about that? How much water is standing up above us? And it's just it's suspended there. It's just hanging out. It's like it's standing and waiting for God to thunder and say, get down there. We've been praying for that, haven't we? God, tell that rain to get down here. The water standing at attention. And I don't think we have a sense of the greatness of that simple fact. The water that's standing up there above us that we want to come down upon us. Did you know that one inch of water, of rainfall, Falling on one acre weighs 113 tons. 27,000 gallons suspended over one acre. A gallon weighs about eight pounds. So you think about 113 tons above your head, suspended there, waiting for God to say, drop. And God thunders and says, drop. Praise the Lord. God said, drop last night. And we got some much needed rain. 113 tons over one acre. That's a, that, that, it's amazing. It's amazing. The water that is above. And then he moves to things here below. The mountains and the valleys. And how that water trickles down and goes down through the mountains and through the cracks and the crevices. And becomes streams and creeks that come down through the valleys where there are springs. To water the beasts of the field. It's an amazing system. And that water and the soil and the nutrients produce grass for the animals, the cattle, the sheep to graze, and the shrubs. Not only that, the fruit of the vine, all of these delicacies. He talks about the oils that make the, your face glad. Lady, that's, it's not Mary Kay who makes cosmetics. Right? The oils and all the stuff, she just puts them together. All of these things that bring delight and beauty to our world are things that God has made. He talks about the high trees and the birds that perch therein and sing their sweet melodies as we go by. Those mountain goats that inhabit the edges of the cliffs and the rock badgers that come down below and all of the little creatures, the nocturnal creatures that come out as the sun goes down. They come out like the lions roaring for their prey. You know, there ain't nothing good that happens at night other than sleep. <laughs> That's for humans. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really in favor of getting to bed really early because I don't want to be eaten by a lion. And the lions come out at night 
And they roar and they seek their prey and they get it when God gives it. And then just before the sun comes up, they ease back into their caves and their dens. And then man and woman come out for the work of the day. And the psalmist is just in awe of the complexity, the complementarity, the symmetry, the beauty, the power, the imaginative nature of it all, the wisdom that God has in creating all these things. The creatures, he says, great and small, you know the Lord God is the one who has made them all. From the tiniest of microscopic living beings to that great orca whale who swims alongside and does its acrobatics in the deep sea. All of these things began in the mind of God and exist because of the power of God. It's amazing. And it does us good to just stop sometimes and consider the works of God's hands. You know, we have our lives and faces so buried in little boxes and screens and all of these things that it is so easy to not look up, to not look out, to not look down and see God's amazing world. I'll tell you, last night I was feeling a little bit uh, buried, uh, a sense of, of burden and weight of all the different things that I have uh, swimming around in my little head. And, and I was thinking about my calendar and responsibilities and different tasks that need to be done, different meetings, and on and on. And I will tell you, it, it was just this sense of, I don't know how I'm going to get all this done, or I don't, I'm not sure I am um, know what to do here, and I'm not sure how this is going to work. And, and, and as I walked for, to the house from the barn, I, I'm telling you, this is what it was like. And all of a sudden, something flashed and caught my attention. Up above the tree line in the sky, I noticed something up in the sky. I don't, I want Clayton to get this video ready. He's going to show us this video of what I saw. So I went out onto my front porch, and I just began to film this. sitting out there feeling like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. The ground was parched and dry. Animals had nothing to eat. We're putting out hay, wondering how we're going to get by and all of these things. And I just catch a glimpse of that. And I went and sat on my porch and I looked up. Now that's a simple sight. You go, what in the world is so exciting about that? To look up in the sky and it was almost like a reminder from this psalm that God was beginning to rumble and thunder. And a big rain came. Also a reminder that in my life, everything does not depend on me. That he is God. He is from everlasting to everlasting. The cares of my day and week and month, he cares for them. But they're no challenge for him. They're a challenge for me when I face life without him. And so it was just, I will say it was a moment of wonder out on that porch. That just began to help me to worship. I didn't sing. I didn't go get my guitar and play music. 
but I worshiped the God of wonders. Now, I could have looked up what caused that from a naturalistic standpoint. Pressure and changes and blah, 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 all the scientific stuff. But it was just a reminder that there is a God in heaven. That is the transcendent peace, the spiritual peace. And my spirit, I will say, was, was provoked in a good way to just worship. God is in his heavens. He's over all. This world depends on him. And actually, this world doesn't depend on me at all. There are things that I need to do and need to take care of. But God is God and I'm not. Worship begins with a sense of wonder. That there is a God who is higher than me. Above all, and certainly capable of handling the needs that I bring to him today. Now in verses 27 through 30, I want us to see wisdom informed by creation and our creator. Wisdom informed by creation and our creator. They all, he's, talk, he's been talking about the swarms and the seas and the Leviathan, that is, or sea monster, these big creatures and all of the things, all of these creatures, great and small, they all wait for you to give them their food in due season. You give to them, they gather it up. You open your hand and they're satisfied with good. You hide your face and they're terrified. You take away their breath, they perish and return to the dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. As the psalmist looks around at all that God has made, noticing his handiworks, something he notices is that there is no living creature that is autonomous or self-sustaining. This idea of self-sufficiency is a lie. Oh, can we be more independent? Sure. But is anything or anyone in this world autonomous? Can they make it without God? Answer, no. Not one thing can make it without God's hand. All are dependent upon God. And he says, you know, God, you graciously open your hand. God can open the storehouses and the treasuries and the granaries and give an abundance to feed every living thing and to take care of every living creature. And so he is able to satisfy every need and have some left over. It's one of the great things we see in the life of Jesus. I was thinking about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. How Jesus can just, and this is God's nature in him, he can take something very small, two little fishes and five loaves, and feed a crowd of thousands. He is able. It's all his. He has all power. He can accomplish your need. He can satisfy your need in his time. He is able. There is nothing my God cannot do. And so God opens up his hands. But listen, folks, there are seasons when it seems that maybe God is withdrawing his hand. Maybe it seems that God is backing away. And the psalmist talks about this here. You take away their breath and they die and return to the dust. Then out of the dust there is renewal and creation and life arises. We need to realize without God we are nothing. Without the presence and the blessing of God, folks, we're in trouble. He is the sustainer. He's not just the creator of life. He is the sustainer of it. The breath of life in every creature comes from God from his breath, from his spirit. And we need to account for that. We need to reckon with that in our lives. 
Because we go about our lives scurrying around and doing all of our things as if we got it all under control without him. God, I'll check in with you when I need you. Every day, every hour, every moment, every breath, every beat of the heart is depending upon the sustaining power of God. And you know what? We need to live our lives with that awareness. You know what wisdom is? Well, let me tell you what the beginning of wisdom is. The beginning, the gateway, the foundation, the undergirding of wisdom is this. It's the fear of the Lord. It's having a right reckoning of ourselves before this great and mighty God. And so we have to learn the fear of the Lord. We have to learn to live there if we're to worship rightly. You know, when one of the problems with people is they're not impressed with God. It's not because God is not impressive. It's because they don't see God rightly. They don't understand how dependent they are upon the Lord. And we forget that. All of us do at times. We need to learn the fear of the Lord and live in the fear of the Lord. We need to have a right understanding of our place before this great and mighty God. So wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And it's a continually, uh, continual humbling of ourselves before him. Now listen, humility doesn't come easily. It doesn't come naturally to people that are bent towards pride. That's all of us. We need to humble ourselves before God. Sometimes we don't worship because we have no sense of wonder. Sometimes we don't worship because we have not properly humbled ourselves before the Lord. And recognize our dependence on him. He's the giver of life and peace and blessing. In his presence there is a fullness of joy that could last forever. Why would we not want to come into the presence of God? But we resist that. There's something in our flesh that just resists coming before the Lord. God is holy. He's amazing. And here's what I would say to you. Jesus Christ has come to make a way that we can come into the very presence of God. He forgives us of our sins. He helps squash our pride. He bridges that chasm between us and God that our sin has created. We need to acknowledge our sin, but we need to give it to the Lord Jesus and allow him to usher us into the presence of God. So wisdom is informed by what we see in creation and by the greatness of our creator. And in this psalm, as he's grappling with this sense of wonder and, and just how necessary and good it is to come into God's presence, it's like it erupts into this magnificent expression of worship. Here is worship inspired by this great God and creator. Verses 31 through 5 as we wrap this psalm up. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my praise be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall rejoice in the Lord. May sinners be removed from the earth and may the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. Here is Worship, inspired by God, our creator. The center of worship, folks, listen to this, is the glory of the Lord. It's the radiance and the beauty. That's what it's about. It's seeing that and coming into that. The center of worship is the glory of the Lord. And he speaks about that. 
And he says, you know, may this glory endure forever on the earth. May it always be here. And may the Lord rejoice in his work. Hey, here's an interesting thought about worship. Worship is just not us towards God. But actually, it is living in a two-way relationship with the glorious God of the universe. It's him pouring out his blessings and goodness and beauty to us and us receiving that and reflecting it and giving it back. It's not just a one-way street. So one of the reasons we don't worship is we're not seeing that. We're not coming in and recognizing the goodness of God that he has poured out to us. He says, Lord, may you rejoice in your works. Did you know that the Lord... The creator God created everything for a purpose. And that purpose is for his pleasure. To bask in and to live within his glory and beauty and his pleasure. And to receive that and love it and be satisfied. Are you satisfied with the goodness of the Lord? The glory of the Lord? As much as he's shown you and given you, are you satisfied in him? One of the reasons we don't worship is we're not content. We're not rejoicing in all of the good things. We forget those things. And we're so bent on getting the next thing that we fail to see all of the good that God has given us. So these things, and again, I can't spend a whole lot of time here. These things are all in this psalm. The rejoicing of the Lord, the goodness of God. Worship is the culmination and the expression of living our life in a satisfied way with God to submit to him. And so he gives us a little bit of help here at the very end, ways that we worship. Worship is not always just about music. As I said, you can worship on your front porch. People say, well, I worship out on the lake or I worship out on the golf course. Can you do that? Mm. Yeah, you can. Can you worship on a four-wheeler ride when you park up on the mountain? Yes, you can. Is it the same as corporate worship with God's people? No, it's not. But it's a valid way to worship. There are ways given here and shown to us that we should worship. And the first one is, I will sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing to the Lord continually. John Cougar Mellencamp, you know, he talks about, oh yeah, life goes on. What? Long after the... Long after the thrill of living is gone. It's a sad state of affairs when we begin to live our life with no sense of wonder and gladness and rejoicing when the thrill goes away. And we just live this life trotting along without a sight of God, without our hearts leaping for the goodness of God. And singing is a way that is so powerful. It brings together so many pieces of our life our bodies, maybe a little bit of both sides of our brain, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just, a, it's just a wonderful thing to sing to the Lord. Singing's not just for little kids. It's not just for those who are gifted. Hey, my wife was singing last night, and she almost never sings. I should have asked if I could tell this, but I'm just going to tell it, okay? You know, she was singing last night. Someone... I'm going to have to borrow five bucks from you. I'm supposed to pay her $5 every time I use her as a sermon illustration. I'll tell you what we were doing. I came in last night and I said, 
hey, I need you to help finish up my haircut. And y'all are like, haircut? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So haircut, there's this spot, you know, I just always miss. And so I go and I kneel down there and she's cutting my hair. And she said, man, you missed a lot of spots. And I was like, yeah, I know. I wanted you to feel like you were actually doing something, you know, when you come in here. Because she's always like, there's nothing here. And 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 she's cutting it. And uh, let's see how that song go. Uh, she may, she may want to sing it for you. I'm not sure. It was something like this. Oh, yeah, you ain't got no hair. Oh, how I wish I could share. You ain't got no hair. <laughs> now, I, that's terrible. <laughs> that is terrible. That is very deflating. And uh, I don't think that's the kind of singing that's in mind here, singing that uh, tears another down. <laughs> Here is singing to the Lord for all the goodness and the glory and the blessings. Singing is just a fun thing. It actually was fun. It was fun to hear her sing that, you know, even though I was the butt of her singing. Here's good singing. Singing to the Lord, and I'll tell you, it just does something in our hearts and souls when we sing. It takes The experiences of our life, and when we sing a new song, when we sing an impromptu song like that to the Lord, it's coming from our hearts, and it's, it's making us think about our experience. It's a neat thing. When we sing another song, an old song, a song that someone else composes, it's taking the truth of God, and it's involving us in those things, and it's packaging it in such a way that we can take it with us and remember it. See how I remembered her song? It was clever. And it rhymed. And songs teach us about God. And so he says, I'll sing to the Lord all my life. Never stop singing. When life is sad and hard, don't stop singing. Sing to the Lord. Rejoice in him. He says, I will meditate. A way to worship is to cultivate the life of the mind, thinking on good things. A pattern of thinking that reflects the ways of God. We can get in our thinking so messed up and so askew. Cultivate the life of the mind. A mental way of thinking. Transformed in our minds. In a way that's pleasing to him. And then he says, I will rejoice. Rejoice is to repeat joyful things. It's to tell it again. Now, some of y'all... You tell the same stories over and over, just like I do. You forget who you told something. Something good happened in your life, and you tell it over and over. I was around a guy this uh, past weekend out of town, and Isaac said, he said, that guy told us the same story three different times within the course of two hours. So I was like, I guess he thought it was a good story. He was retelling, and we we're supposed to rejoice, take the good things and repeat them. Rejoice, rejoice. Rejoice. That's part of worship. Okay? But then I have to talk about this real quick because it's here, and then I'm going to let you go. Actually, we're going to sing to close here in just a moment. There's a striking observation toward the end of this psalm. It's kind of a low note. It's kind of a sour note almost to end a beautiful psalm on. He says, may the sinners be removed from the earth, and may the wicked be no more. <laughs> you go, what? I'm not sure I understand why that's there. Sounds mean. Sounds not very Christian. And here's what I think is going on there. I think the psalmist is acknowledging, man, the earth is full of so many good things. But hey, listen, there's some bad things out there. There are a lot of people out in the world that are mean, they're ugly, 
They seek to hurt and tear down. They do wicked things. There is wickedness in this world. And we are not impervious to that. It hurts. We see that going on and it just seems wrong and it drains us. Messes us up. If we're not careful, it can rob our joy. And I think one of the things the psalmist is doing here, he says, you know, Lord, I acknowledge that that's going on, but I'm not going to let that steal my joy in you and my worship. You will deal with those folks. You will deal with those things in your time. Lord, it would be better in this world if there was not people doing wicked things. But I'm trusting that one of these days that you're going to make all things new. You're going to handle that, and I don't have to. And I don't have to let that steal and rob the joy in my heart that arises from worship. I think that's what's going on there. But here's what I would call you to, folks. Worship. He says, ask for me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless the Lord. My soul will bless the Lord. You know, we have a choice. We forget this. We have a choice. What we will do with our minds and our hearts and our mouths. We can live over a negative space and tear down and be downtrodden. Or we can worship and be glad and rejoice. Mike's going to come now and we're going to close our service with a song. It's a song we did earlier. God of Wonders. I think it's a very fitting way to wrap up this service and just worshiping the Lord. But let me say this. The primary way that we worship the Lord is not actually through singing or all of these other things. Here's the primary way that we worship the Lord. Here's the worship that God desires that you would believe on His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would submit your life to Jesus by faith and be saved. Before you can ever worship rightly, there has to be a time. There has to be a moment where you decisively acknowledge your sin, give it to the Lord, trust in the Lord Jesus, and come to him on bended knee. Receive him as your Savior. So worship is not just about singing. It's about a submission of a life to a good God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. You would like to do that today i'll be here after the service i would invite you to come and find me and let me talk to you about that that is the first act of worship it opens the door to all the things that we've been talking about today so would you stand with us as we wrap up our service singing god of wonders water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on
prayer. Father, today we're thankful for your majesty, your awe, your greatness, your goodness that is reflected in everything that you've created except for the sins and the brokenness of man. And Lord, today as we worship you, we think about and we are in awe of the fact that in this broken creation where we have stumbled and fallen and sinned, that you came right down into the middle of it in the person of Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the salvation and the restoration and the repair that you have made between us and you through Jesus. And so today, first and foremost, we worship you because of your amazing love expressed in very clear ways through your word, through Jesus, your son, and through all of your creation. God, I pray that you would continue to open the eyes of our hearts, to open our physical eyes to your might, your power, your majesty, and your awe, and that we might present to you a heart of worship and a mind that is in, in, in tune with your mind, that we may think your thoughts after you. So help us, Lord, as we seek to be a people who worship. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.